Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the Householder Conviction Edition. This week, we're explaining what a guilty conviction means for the former Speaker of the Ohio House whether a tax plan will save you money, what universal vouchers could cost the state of Ohio, and how two Republicans want to overhaul our child custody laws. Joining me on this very big news week is reporter extraordinaire Haley B. Miller. Hello. Quite a quite a week we've had. Yeah. And before we get started, I want to make that quick personal pitch that if you find OPE interesting, entertaining, or informative, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. So our first topic is probably the biggest political story of the year, and that's the conviction of former Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder. Householder and former Ohio Republican Party Chair Matt Borges were both found guilty on Thursday of a racketeering conspiracy. The two guilty verdicts mark the climax in a nearly three-year legal battle that started with the arrest of Householder Borges and three other men in July 2020. They were accused of accepting $61 million in bribes from First Energy in exchange for the bailout of two nuclear power plants that would have netted the company more than $1 billion over seven years. Two of the men pled guilty, and they testified at this trial, another died by suicide, and now the final two men have been found guilty. Pretty surreal that we're at this moment after so long. It was a seven-week trial, and, you know, the jury had a pretty tall order of trying to kind of rake through the mud of dark money and energy policy, and just, it's a really complicated case, and, you know, came out that, you know, the jury decided these two were guilty, but it was it was a long road to get here. Yeah. And just in case anyone's wondering, they both face up to 20 years in federal prison for this conviction. That is a process that Judge Black will lay out in the coming days for when they'll come back for sentencing. The attorneys for both Householder and Borges will present cases for maybe why they don't deserve that 20 years. I'm sure it sounds like there may be an appeal. Uh, Apparently, Householder said, stay tuned. Yeah, Householder told reporters that on his way out of the courthouse, Borges declined to comment. We'll be interesting to see if we hear from him down the line at any point. But I do think while this is a big moment in the case, this is not the last we've heard of any of it by a long shot. Yeah, that's why I think it's like this was like the climax if we were reading a fiction novel. Yeah. But we still have that like down trajectory of the roller coaster to wrap up the book. We're not on the last page yet, basically. Right. And, you know, we're starting to see a bunch of reaction to the verdict. Democrats, unsurprisingly, are calling to justice. They say that Householder and Borges had this coming. I actually just got a text um, from Governor Mike DeWine's spokesman. He has declined to comment on the verdict, but it is going to be the talk of Columbus for sure for the next at least 48 hours. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Our second topic is income taxes. Cutting what you pay in income taxes is one of the big goals for Ohio's House Republicans. But how they've ridden House Bill 1, the legislation to do so, could end up raising Ohioans' overall tax burdens. So the reason is, is that the legislation cuts payments to local governments to cover the cost of flattening the income tax. Initially, the thought was that these local entities like libraries, schools, parks departments would have the option of either cutting their services or asking voters for new levies. Basically, it would be up to them to make it up if they wanted to. But there's another part of Ohio's tax code called the equalization factor. And I won't go into details. You can read the article if you want the full details. But it says that property taxes would automatically rise to cover those losses. It sort of protects against big drops 
in property taxes and big increases. And so those increases that you and I would pay on our property taxes would likely be much more than what you would save from the income tax cut. So I'll just tell you, for me personally, I would end up paying about $300 more per year. This bill makes my head hurt. (laughs) It makes my head hurt too, actually. And, you know, complicatedness aside, I mean, this is a really big goal for Republicans in this budget cycle. You know, currently we have a progressive tax system, different tax brackets for different levels of income. And Republicans want a flat tax. They've wanted a flat tax for a long time. It's something they're trying to get done this cycle. DeWine has kind of been hedging on, you know, whether he would support this. He hasn't been super overt about it. Um, That'll undoubtedly be something that comes up as the, you know, budget is hashed out. Democrats, meanwhile, say that this is going to be better for people who make more money than, you know, your average working class Ohioan. Yeah. So um, I looked at the Olentangy district because like full disclosure, that's where my kids go to school. So it was really easy for me to kind of think through and look at my own taxes because this very much depends on like how much you make and where you live and what local levies you have and like what the millage of those levies are and when they were passed and whether they're subject to the equalization factor. It like it tested the level of my wonkiness (laughs) for sure. But like, you know, one of the interesting things is to break even in Olentangy. So to not lose on the property tax increase, you'd have to make $200,000 a year in taxable income. And it would depend on what your home was worth. But if you had the median home value of about $400,000, you'd have to make about $200,000, which like isn't true for a lot of residents of Ohio. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds like this is still a work in progress. I mean, because there are some Republicans who just don't want to mess with people's property taxes. Yeah. So the bill sponsor, Representative Matthews, says that his goal is to keep property taxes neutral and give everyone an income tax. And until that happens, he's going to keep working. So it is very much a work in progress. Like, absolutely. But as it stands now, I think part of the problem was it's very confusing. There is still some ongoing debate about whether that equalization factor would apply in this case. It's just property. The joke that I hear a lot around the state house is only two people in Ohio understand property tax law and they disagree. Yeah, that sounds right. Our third topic is Ohio's custody rules. And a pair of Republicans want to revamp the way Ohio awards custody to most divorced parents and give equal responsibility and time to both parents. And it's House Bill 14 and would create basically a default custody arrangement where parents would share the different responsibilities unless they could convince a judge that 50-50 was not appropriate. Is that about right, Haley? Yeah. So as a child of divorce, this bill is very fascinating to me. So the current system, lawmakers say, pits parents against each other and starts from the assumption that one parent is going to be sort of the primary guardian. You know, I think back to like my own arrangement when I was a kid, I was primarily with my mom and then spent like every other weekend and some other days with my dad. So this And this is like a conversation that's happening in a lot of other states, you know, this idea that it's better for kids to have equal time with um, both parents, assuming those parents are fit parents. But like in Ohio and in other states, there have been criticism of bills like this, you know, suggesting that it can make it easier for, you know, people who are abusive to their spouse or child or otherwise unfit to be a parent, it can make that easier for them to end up with uh, more control over their children's lives. 
Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Like, uh, my husband and I are still happily married, you know, let you know if that changes. But, you know, my my brother-in-law has gone through divorce. I've known a lot of people that have gone through divorce. And custody can get nasty. And especially if there's hurt feelings, like sometimes I think parents who have hurt feelings with each other take it out on the custody of their children, unfortunately. And, you know, I can see the idea of just saying the default is 50-50 unless you can give me a good reason otherwise. Yeah, and it sounds nice and it sounds simple in a lot of ways, but I do think this bill is pretty controversial. I mean, its first committee hearing was this week and that was just sponsor testimony and that lasted like an hour. You know, lawmakers were getting grilled pretty hard on this. So I expect this, you know, it'll probably continue through the process, but I think it's going to be a big talker. That's really interesting. And Haley will be following it for us. So we may have updates from her in the future. But our fourth and final topic is universal vouchers. So Republicans are debating how far they want to expand school choice this year. And one idea is to give a voucher to everyone or make it available to everyone. So House Bill 11 would let any K-12 through student in the state apply for an education savings account. We call them ESAs. So that's just what I'm going to call them. And so these would apply to even people who are homeschooled. And if every existing non-public student So all the private school kids and all the homeschool kids took one of these. It would cost the state $1.13 billion per year. Supporters, however, of this backpack bill say that's unlikely because 100% uptake or use of a government program like never happens. They think, um, and they had an analysis from a group called EdChoice, which isn't affiliated with Ohio's EdChoice scholarship system. They're like a national nonprofit that promotes Mm -hmm. school choice. They think that it would cost about $462 million by year four. Like it would build into about 50% usage or uptake. 90% usage would be a billion dollars a year. 75% usage would be like $848 million a year. And you know, what I hear from public education supporters is like, look, here's what Ohio Education President Scott DeMauro, like I'm just going to quote him. He said, tell me what family is going to turn down free money from the state? Yeah, I think, you know, that's... That's going to be the big question heading into this as to how much this would get used. Because on the one hand, I do think there are parents who are very loyal to the public school system and maybe their local public school. But on again, like if you're basically getting what kind of amounts to like a government subsidy for your kids' education, you know, that's, that's certainly tempting. Yeah. And, you know, they they think that about like 10% of public school kids might move to a private school over the years if it was universal voucher. But like this $1 billion price tag is for existing private school and homeschool kids. It's not kids in the public school system. It's just paying for all the kids who are already choosing not to use the public school system, which okay. is kind of wild. Yeah. And I mean, I get that, you know, the governor in his budget decided to extend uh, vouchers to 400% of federal poverty, which is like 120K for a family of four. So like, that's kind of where the governor is at on this. And I think that kind of falls under the dynamic of, you know, I talk to even strong supporters of school vouchers who say the optics of like letting Ryan Day's kids take vouchers to their private school, it's a little hard to sell. Yeah. And one more thing before you go. We've got one more special episode of Ope coming up as soon as possible. Now that he has fulfilled his legal obligation to testify, whistleblower Tyler Furman sat down with us and talked about what it was like to wear a wire. So if you've ever wondered whether you like tape it to your body or like have a pen with a recorder, uh, you can find out and look for that next episode as soon as we get it ready. I'm very, very very excited. Very (laughs) excited to hear it. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered today, check us out online at Enquirer.com. 